Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Join me in celebrating Women's History Month. On March 27th, I'm hosting a special virtual event for her by her presented by Fiverr. We'll be spotlighting and interviewing some of the most successful female business owners and their experiences with Fiverr. In the U.S., women are driving growth, and each year that percentage increases. Women-led startups have more than doubled since 2020, and from 2019 to 2023, women-owned businesses' growth rate outpaced the rate of men's in new businesses, employment, and revenue. In this panel discussion, you'll hear from top female business owners who have not only started their own companies, but cater to women through their products and services. Don't miss out. Head to bossproject.com slash RSVP and save your seat for this empowering event created by women for women. It's free to attend. I can't wait to see you there. That's bossproject.com slash RSVP. This message is sponsored and brought to you by Fiverr. So I got my 23andMe results back today. Oh, do you have long lost relatives? So I haven't looked into that yet. So my mom and I did it as like a Christmas present to each other because there are some relatives we hope to just get some more information about. And I opted in for like the health things as well. because I'm just like super curious about that. So I literally only dove in, dived in, dove in, divin, dived, dove. I've only looked into <laughs> there's health things and then there's traits. And so I looked at the traits because I wasn't ready. So like, there's a question before you even open your health results, you have to like consent to like, if you want to hear, if you have the gene for like Alzheimer's and dementia or cancer, different cancers or something else serious. And you can say, yes, I want to know that. No, I don't want to know it or ask me later. So I just said, ask me later. Cause I was like, I'm not ready to process that right now. But I looked at the traits and the traits are silly of like, you know, do you like, do you deal with insomnia? How much caffeine do you think you'll drink in comparison to other people? Like what's the likelihood of your eye color, the thickness of your hair, of your index finger being longer or shorter than others, all those like silly kind of things. <laughs> so it, it had eyesight spot on. It was like 57% chance of having blue or green eyes, which mine are like right in the middle. It said more likely to have thick hair, more likely to have light hair, more likely to drink more caffeine than average. (laughs) Yes. More likely to have trouble sleeping, but be a deep sleeper. I was like, that's interesting. And there were just a couple of other funny ones that were just totally random that I'm like, how do you, oh, it's like most likely to favor savory foods over sweet, which is true. It did say, so I learned this on TikTok where there's some people who love cilantro and some people who think it tastes like soap. 
Right. And it's like a genetic thing that right. makes it taste like soap for some people. And I freaking love cilantro. Like I'll add extra cilantro. But my thing says that I should technically have an affinity. Like I shouldn't like it as much as I do. It doesn't say specifically that it tastes like soap for me, but that it says you have an affinity for disliking cilantro. And I was like, hmm, interesting. So most are spot on. Some are not. My index finger is longer than my pointer finger. So that's funny. But I think that that's like, I feel like that's normal. I don't know. <laughs> so. Well, I'll be curious when you're ready mm-hmm. to dive into the other stuff that's obviously a bit more serious. Yeah. I haven't looked at like even like my ancestry makeup of like where I'm from and like percentages of stuff like that. Cause I'm like, I don't know. I'm, so, I'm somehow nervous to do that. I don't know. Like, I don't know what it's going to say. <laughs> so. And then mom and I have to specifically be intentional about deciding to connect with relatives. So you can like put in just your initials and you don't have to put in your birth year. So like, unless you are actually connected with them. So like my mom and I would be connected because like, we literally know each other and we can like somehow like a different, it's an already formed connection. And so like, I could see her full name on there, but apparently like, probable connections or something only see your initials because I was just like I let me just creep and get the info first and then I'll decide like if we want to like put more information out there or not but so it makes me kind of (laughs) nervous so mom's gonna come over tonight and opening your results together Mm -hmm. it's like hearing if you got into Hogwarts I know I know I know. Yes. Speaking of, Speaking I have, of getting into Hogwarts. Oh, are you going to say something? Yes. Okay. Go I ahead. have something else. Do you have a book recommendation? Oh, I had this wild dream over the weekend. I had very weird dreams for three days in a row. But one of my wild dreams was that I went back to school. This time it was grad school. And I was the same age I am now. But everyone in grad school was apparently in their 20s. But this was grad school for witches and wizards and it was clearly underground and so i was lost in the tunnel system near god knows where and i couldn't ever get to my configuration class oh no (laughs) wow that's intense (laughs) it's fine it's fine so i don't know i didn't watch harry potter recently so i have no idea why oh we have it on almost every weekend it's just like background noise for us Penny had me play the Harry Potter like soundtrack the other day as we were just like doing stuff around the house. She was like, oh, this is the part where (laughs) she tries to like match the music to the scene. Okay. So I have a book recommendation really quickly. I just started it last night, so I'm not that far into it. But if you liked Harry Potter and Twilight and you like romance books, this is the book for you. (laughs) So it's called Zodiac Academy. The first book, it's a series. There are over eight books and it's not done. Zodiac Academy, The Awakening is the first book. It's by Caroline Peckman and Suzanne Valenti. So these are no spoilers. This is just like literally the first handful of chapters. Basically, there are twins living in our regular world who have aged out of the foster care system and are struggling to kind of figure out life on their own. So they're freshly 18, very broke trying to figure out life together. And there's this character, this person that keeps kind of following them around. And he's like kind of creeping them out. He eventually like finds their apartment, 
use some like kind of mind trickery on them to like stay calm and listen. And he's trying to explain to them that they were switched at birth with these other twins who are fae and have magical powers and live in an entirely different like universe, like different world. It's better than this one. Everything is magical and great, but you have these powers. And since you're 18, like you need to come to the Zodiac Academy and learn how to use your powers. The powers are the four elements of the earth. You typically only have like one of the powers. Maybe you'll have more than one, but he had to convince them to like come with him to this other world. And so he uses like this, like glitter dust thing that he like blows in their face and they're transported to this other magical world. And I'm just getting into, they are just now in the opening ceremony of their school year where they find out what powers they have. And so they apparently come from like the wealthiest family in this world, but their parents have died. And I think they've died. We'll find out, but it's so far, it's really good. And so I think there's going to be a little bit of like spicy romance with this professor who came and got them. And one of the women and one of the twins and they're going to figure out their magical powers is going to be great. So I'm really excited. (laughs) It is free on Kindle Unlimited. So if you have Kindle Unlimited, at least the first one is free. So what I'm trying to do is for books that I feel like I'm going to obsess over like this one, I will read the first one or the majority of the first one on Kindle like for free. But if I like it, like I think I'm going to like it, I will end up buying the physical copy of it for my library. And so I feel like this is going to be one of those new series that I'm obsessing over. And I can't wait to tell you more about it. (laughs) I'm excited. I've read four books so far this year. Can you believe this is my fifth one that I'm starting? It's January 23rd by the recording. I can because they're all entertainment. Yes. Yes. If they weren't entertainment, I would be a bit surprised. I've read one. Well, I don't know why you would read a book that's not entertaining. Because I like to learn. Learning (laughs) education is an opportunity. I don't know. I just, I feel it's very strange. I need to get over my fears about being entertained while reading. I really have like, straight up trauma from what I was told I could or couldn't read when I was seventh and eighth grade. And it like messed you me up. You were told you life. couldn't read some things? Yes. Yikes. Yes. I was trauma. Like, it's a problem. Still working through it. So mm-mm, mm-mm. well, I'll get you started. Once my book published, you're gonna have to read it. So well, obviously I will, I will <laughs> read your book. But what's cool is, so the Zodiac Academy, the first one at least, is still only 436 pages. And so like, I feel like it's like the bigger fantasy books like this are typically like 900 pages and it's just like insane. So this one, I feel like it's not as beefy. I'm sure they get beefier as like the series has gotten more popular, but at least the first one is like an easy dive in. So that seems long to me, but (laughs) all right. I mean, it's, it's only like, about a hundred pages longer than like a typical easy smutty romance book that you could read in a day. Sure, sure. So theoretically, this one should only take like a couple days. All right, all right. But we'll see. We'll <laughs> okay. See. So today, I want to talk about trust in the workspace as we and a lot of you are growing and expanding this year within your team. I feel like collectively, at least in our bubble with our clients and the people we're working with, 
they are wanting to sustain the revenue and quote unquote growth that they had last year or in previous years, but do it with more ease, which is like, I'm here for that. And so a lot of our clients are in the space of hiring and wanting to see how can they grow their team? What's the best hire? What do we need to look for? So this conversation is about trust within your team. And I think this is important. I know it's important for you to be thinking about as the founder, as the executive leader, even before you're hiring or before you have, quote unquote, a big team. Big team could literally mean two to three people, like because those are people to manage and emotions and behaviors and actions and delegations. There's a lot that comes with that. But if you kind of copy our formula of going from two to seven in 18 months or less, you're definitely going to need these skills really solidified going into it, knowing that you're going to continue to expand upon them and perfect them over time. I would say the majority of people should not do that, by the way. No, I recommend not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Come chat with us first. (laughs) So I saw this amazing article in Fast Company. It's called Five Barriers to Break in Order to Build Trust Between Coworkers. So I think this will be really helpful if you already have a team that you feel like the trust or the culture needs to be improved upon. If you've left a corporate job or agency where it was super toxic and you feel like, I know I don't want to do that, but I don't know how to do better. Or if you're just looking to grow a team and you want to be like starting off on the right foot. So we have five barriers that I want to talk about, but there's also a couple of TikToks that I want to talk about. And I want to get your perspective, Abby, on like if you think they're actually helpful or not. So let's just start with the first barrier. Barrier number one, the executive team lacks transparency. And this is one that we were actually asked about recently when we were on a podcast about how we really felt, what do we feel like was the thing that helped us integrate our team into our thought process, into strategy, into giving them more ownership over things. And do you remember that conversation we had? Oh, yeah. I think the big thing here that can end up happening, it doesn't matter if it's solo or you have a partner or whatever, but when you add team members, it can be really easy to just focus on delegating tasks and not necessarily talking about the why. Like, what's the purpose? Where are you going? What are you doing? What are you trying to accomplish? What's the goal behind it? All of those things. Mm -hmm. And so with our team specifically, when we got started, it was really easy for Emily and I to continue to do all the strategy work and then just focus on, okay, well, here's the new plan. Mm -hmm. Here's how you fit into the plan, et cetera. We've had this private conversation and now we're sharing with you. Yeah. And the funny thing is most of the quote unquote private conversations never needed to be private. Right. There are definitely certain things in your business where you should have a level of, I wouldn't say a barrier, but you should have specific kind of rules with yourself and your team. Well, there are different levels of transparency depending on who you're talking to on your team. Yes. That's what I'm trying to say here. There still needs to be varying levels. What you don't want is this giant opaque level where your team members don't really know anything. And that can cause a lot of fear, anxiety, and mistrust because they don't know what's happening, quote unquote, at the top. And so they're trying to make assumptions themselves about how to fill that gap and what it looks like. And if one little thing gets off kilter, even a little bit, I see a lot of people jumping to conclusions about how 
things are or aren't working. And that can make people fearful for their job. Well, and specifically, I'm wondering if this is something that we can even expand upon and really decide within our own team how to do it better. Because the example that they gave in the article was something about how a department had decided to abandon a particular project or an offer or an initiative or whatever, and they just announced to the team that they were abandoning it, but didn't explain why. And it was for like not super horrible reasons. It was a smart decision for that business to do. But the team members then felt like, oh, is like literally my job at risk? And do I need to seek elsewhere because things are getting cut? And even sometimes when you guys are developing new offers, I think it can still spark like a level of like, why are we doing this? What's the need? And so I'm wondering even internally, like as we develop and and abandon different things as we ebb and flow, I'm wondering what is the level of explanation that some of our team members might want in addition to just the overall strategy conversation. Well, and some of your team members will naturally ask more questions. Yeah. And others won't, but that doesn't mean if they're not asking that they're not still uncertain or scared or fearful. And so not that we want to make a ton of assumptions about the way that they're feeling, because that can also be just unhelpful. But you bringing people into the why is a good first step. For us, it was really about how can we start to educate on our thought process and how we go from one kind of like idea or things we want to explore into ultimately making the decision. What was the path that we took? And even if it's, you know, only 80% visible, like it can still make a massive difference because so often people are just hearing what it was like before and what it's going to be like now. And there's no sort of transition. Yep. Okay. So moving on to barrier number two, this one is that managers lack effective communication skills. And this is not a surprise. This might very well be the first time you are a manager or that you end up training someone on your team to be a manager. And now you're in charge of a manager who's managing other people. And it gets kind of inceptuous, but is that a word? Inceptuous? It is today. But understanding your communication skills and those of your team is super important. So they referenced a study that they did in 2020, a survey that they did in 2020, that found that 84% of respondents said poorly trained managers created unnecessary work and stress. The most common skill respondents said managers could improve on was effective communication. Now, the interesting thing I see here is in terms of communication, I see people who tend to sit on broad ends of the spectrum. So they're either like giving a very kind of visionary view of what's expected and like letting people go with like very little explanation and not setting expectations of what's expected of them Mm -hmm. or the far other end of the spectrum. They're micromanaging every last nuance and detail to an excruciating extent. And so often the biggest thing that can be had is really setting expectations because in any relationship, regardless if you're managing someone or you are dating someone or married to someone or they're your child, a lot of us feeling let down in any instance is someone not meeting unmet. They're, they're meet, they're not meeting our expectations that have been uncommunicated. Yeah. Yeah. And so we need to be deciding 
intentionally what level of detail people need and being better delegators, which is a whole other process, but you need to be listening to people. Well, and another part of this conversation that I find really interesting because I think it definitely serves as a lot of self-reflection, but it could also be as the leader and the manager, a time for you to find books, workshops, podcasts, trainings, whatever that can help build this skill in your team members. So specifically around communication, it says high trust organizations intentionally develop their manager's emotional intelligence, period, so that they gain the confidence and skill to build authentic relationships. Because I mean, how many times, right, have you been in a space where you're working with someone and you know, this person quite literally could not give a shit about you, what you do, if you live, if you breathe, if you die, if you function, if you show up tomorrow, like they don't care whether they do or not isn't relevant. It's how they're presenting that information to you. Are they dismissive to your concerns? Do they know how to actively listen? Do they provide feedback that's constructive and helpful? All of that are signs of emotional intelligence. But I also wonder what else, like what's another layer to that, that we and our team can continue to foster. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built in collaboration features. So together you can see your finances, budget and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Today's podcast is sponsored by Squarespace, the only all-in-one website platform we use and recommend to our clients. Squarespace makes it easy to create beautiful websites, engage with your audience, and sell your products and services all in one place. Visit squarespace.com slash boss project to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace has professional website templates with designs for nearly every category and use case. Start with a flexible template, then customize it to fit your unique needs. With Squarespace extensions, you can connect your website to vetted third-party tools to fully customize your website exactly the way you want it. Whether you sell services, products, or digital items, Squarespace has the tools you need for your online store. You can now host your videos on Squarespace and show them on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your videos with member areas. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash boss project to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash boss project. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out the job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? 
You can with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I think my best kind of tip for staying on top of being an effective communicator is starting by understanding how someone best learns. I know we've talked about this before Mm -hmm. and I will just continue to hone it in because knowing how they best learn also can inform how you should best communicate with them. Like if you're talking about a new project, are they going to really do well if you leave them a voice note or do they need to hop on with you and talk through it? Would they prefer you write out the next steps and what your expectations and deadlines are? You knowing that information up front can help you become a better, more intuitive to what's going to be the most effective for the person you're communicating with and editing that based on the person. Cause it's really easy to get set in your ways of being like, well, this is how I always delegate right. a new project or a new right. task right. rather than thinking about who you're delegating to what you need to do for that person. Okay. So when I talk about barrier three, I'm going to reference the other TikToks because they go hand in hand with this one. So barrier number three is employees don't feel psychologically safe. We've talked about this on the podcast a lot. We've written blog posts about it. We have an entire module within our coaching program where we talk about how we can create a psychologically safe atmosphere. We have an entire section in our intranet within our own team of what psychological safety means to us and how we're going to maintain it. But basically psychological safety exists when everyone can share what's on their mind without fear of judgment or retaliation. So researchers have found that psychological safety isn't about creating a space where everyone is nice and no one's feelings get hurt. Instead, it's about creating an environment where open dialogue can authentically happen. So here's the conversation I want to have. And I think it's really interesting because our industry, our business, our own business I think exists in a unique space in time and other businesses like ours, not just ours, where we are intentionally trying to create spaces that are so far different than toxic agencies, toxic corporations, where we are trying to be really intentional about our culture and our safety and all of the things where we try to build authentic relationships with our team members, knowing that we don't all need to be best friends, that this doesn't need to be your one and only community that it can be an amazing space for you to work and get inspired, but it doesn't have to be your end all be all to your identity. So knowing that we're trying to be intentional about that and that overall our team feedback is that we're doing that pretty well, which is really great. There's also the conversation from people who are trying to give examples on how you can create more psychological safe spaces, more authentic spaces. And it's being met and I'll give two ideas for you guys or two examples that I saw on TikTok. It's being met with a little bit of pushback from a lot of people who are saying, we don't, employees, employees aren't looking to come to a workspace 
to not that they don't want to feel safe. That's not what they're saying, but they're like, I don't need to come and open up and be this super vulnerable and authentic person. Like I'm here to do my job. I need to like my job enough, feel safe enough in that job. And it's in that one container. I think a lot of people, a lot of employees are trying to separate their identities from their job, which I think can mean very positive things for people. But I also wonder, is the separation becoming too strict and too formal to where it's going to end up feeling a little bit like a clock in, clock out situation for employees if they're not completely open. So the two ideas I want to kind of talk about, both came from TikTok. One, you all know what an exit interview is, right? When someone is leaving, whether on good terms or bad terms or neutral terms, HR, your company can offer to do an exit interview with that person with a non-biased third-party person within your company is how you should be doing it. And the idea is for that team member who's leaving to give their feedback on why are they leaving? When did they start looking for another job? What could have changed? What should have changed in their job if they needed to stay? Was it nothing? Like, was it completely unavoidable? And just really getting feedback on that position and, and how that person interacted within your company. Well, this person had the idea of instead of just doing exit interviews, what if you also do stay interviews? So you're doing them throughout an employee's time, not when they're leaving, but when they're happy, when they're working really well, when they like their job. So you're asking them, rating your experience, <laughs> literally this person, I'm not saying we need to do this. This person's example was asking your person, have you ever thought about quitting or leaving or changing jobs? And if you have, when did that happen? Why did that happen? What made you think that? What made you ultimately decide to stay? If you are staying, like what can continue to keep you staying and thriving? And so the idea I think in and of itself is good. You want to check in with people when they are having a positive experience with you. But a lot of the feedback in my caution is, are people actually going to be honest in that conversation with you? I think it kind of depends on how you go about it. I feel like that question in particular is kind of an, a wonky one. Like, because if you were to say that I have looked before, then that would put up a lot of red flags for a manager for them to be on guard about because someone who's looked for a job once, even if they chose to stay is way more likely to do it again. And the flight risk, so to speak of that person could be quite high. I do think what's helpful and something I think I would suggest here is if you don't have a pulse on this person, like that's the bigger issue. And I think what keeps us feeling in the loop about these things is we have regular reoccurring one-on-ones with everyone on our team and they're not something that can be missed or rescheduled. So we have one-on-ones every two weeks. And part of that is asking them what their wins are, what their challenges are, what's kind of standing in their way. But part of that process should be asking for manager feedback. And so if you don't ask in those sessions periodically, what can I be doing to better help you do your job or to support you, like, then you're not necessarily building that trust. But the interesting thing is when you start to create that environment where it's expected that I'm going to be asking you for feedback about how I can do better periodically, I've found that my people don't wait. Like, they will bring something up way sooner because they do feel safe because they can say, Hey, I'm feeling like we're a bit all over the place on communication for this. Like, can we move this here? Or can we set expectations by using Asana more or whatever? Or maybe they're being more willing to share about personal things that are coming up. Like, hey, 
I'm good. And I'm like, I still expect to get all my work done. But FYI, this thing's going on with me personally. And I'm feeling a bit, you know, checked out because I'm focused on this other thing. I just feel like our team, because we continue to hone in on that thing, that they're sharing openly and freely all the time, even without being prompted. But I feel like asking that very specific question, I don't know if you are going to get an honest answer. Right, right. Because I still think whether it's super safe or not, like we all like there's also just intentional decisions that you make that you're like, well, that would be silly to share. Like that is just it's not the right environment to share that. If you want to talk about that in your own circle, that's one thing. So the other idea here and the reason why I bring it up is because I think that the way that the example was given and how to do it wasn't right. But we do this in a way within our own team. And I think it's been so freaking helpful. So I want to give you how I think it should be done. So the idea on a TikTok was um, this, you know, she's like an executive leadership coach or whatever for managers. And she's talking about how to get more vulnerability within your team so that you can support them. The intention was great, but her idea was when you hop on your like all team meeting or at the top of every meeting, you ask your team members to go around the room and rate their mood. And they talk about like audibly talk about their mood, why it's a yellow or why it's not great or why it's whatever and give examples. And the idea is then like everyone in the room can then understand this person's having a bad day. We're maybe like not going to loop them in or not check in, ask them a bunch of questions or whatever it might mean based on what the people are saying. And I think the intent is good because checking in and understanding people's moods is very helpful. But a bunch of people in the comments there were like, absolutely not. And it was coming from the space of like, It is not necessary. Like I can come to work grumpy and I don't need to tell you that I'm grumpy. I'm still going to get my job done. Don't make me tell you that I'm grumpy. That just makes me grumpy or whatever example of this. However, we use something. We've talked about this before on the show. We use a third party app that connects with our Slack. It's called range and it's range check-ins. And so not only does it pull your calendar over to have you share your priorities, what you're working on that day. It also asks you a really thoughtful question. Sometimes it's just, how was your weekend? Sometimes it's what's your favorite learning style. It totally ranges. But one of my favorite features of it is it has you rate your mood with green, yellow, red, with an emoji. So you can put like the emoji with the Z's that you're sleepy. You can do the sick emoji. You can do grinning sunglasses wearing emoji, but you can also say I'm happy, but maybe yellow or I'm tired, but I'm green. I'm feeling okay. Sometimes it's red and that's an immediate one of us needs to talk to that person what's going on, but it's independent. Does the team see your mood? Yes. But it is not a, I'm sharing it and explaining it in front of everyone, which feels real icky. (laughs) That's, uh, I feel like that would, it would work for very select few people and the Uh rest would be so uncomfortable. And I feel like then you wouldn't get an honest answer. I agree. I agree. I think utilizing the app has been really beneficial for us and it has been a big key since we're an all virtual team and me understanding when I need to reach out to someone, because when you're not feeling the best, sometimes you want to be distracted. And so I see team members who show up, quote unquote, show up to work, but they have a headache or they weren't feeling well overnight. And if they didn't literally rate how they were feeling, I would often not know at all. And that could create a lot of like angst for the job of like, oh, I'm just like always working when theoretically it was their choice because they didn't communicate that they weren't feeling well. Right. 
But when I can then reach back out and say, like, are you good? Do you need to take a nap? Do you need to go to the doctor? Like, and not that they have to tell me, because that's the other thing is like, I don't mm-hmm. need a level of detail unless they choose to share. Yeah. But it gives me an opportunity to say, how can I help? Yeah. And it's been essential. Yeah. For okay. Us. So this next one, it may not fully apply to everyone only because our organizations are typically smaller, but there's still a good point I want to make from it. So we won't spend a ton of time here, but barrier number four is promoting the wrong people. And so this one is when an organization only values results, this person is getting good results. It tends to reward and promote people who get results at any cost, at any cost. And so even if that means that person is disrespectful and cutthroat in the process. So it's important to note that being disrespectful and cutthroat are two of the five attributes that lead to toxic workplaces, according to an MIT study. But here's the part of why I wanted to mention it. Yes, does our company maybe not do promotions in a typical way? We're really small. We're hybrid roles. It's not in the traditional, like, you now have a new job title and you now have all these different responsibilities. It's just not how it works over here. However, you're still integrating with the team and you're still collaborating and you're still working on projects and you're still showing up. And if we don't hold people accountable for living in our values, then it actively hurts other team members. So this part here, it says high trust organizations take a different approach to this. They hold people accountable for both results and living in the organization's values. These kinds of teams have conversations about who is a good culture fit and managers coach others about how to embody those values. If you have ever wondered what does it really mean or what does it look like to hire over fit versus skill, this is that conversation. And I think a year ago, I wouldn't have understood how you can do this well. Yep. But if I could give you a preview into some of the ways our team has improved when the oh. skills weren't there. Oh my like, gosh. Literally light and I'm so like, proud night and day. Like it blows my mind mm-hmm. levels of improvement. And it was because we consistently focused on the values. I will say Not that- just focus, but like brought up when our team wasn't living in it or showed how we were living in it or congratulated and literally gave kudos to people who lived in it. Yeah. All the time. Like it's Mm -hmm. not a, like only when we're doing a, you know, an evaluation, are we talking about it? We Mm -hmm. talk about our values constantly. It's Mm -hmm. always a topic of conversation. The other thing I wanted to specifically point out here is especially when you have a smaller team, it would be really easy to give the spotlight to the person who is providing the most results, Mm -hmm. but in a small team, there should be many team members that if they are doing their job well, that means that nothing is wrong. Exactly. Bad happened. And so if their job is going smoothly, then you should feel like, oh, we're not talking as often, which can feel very odd being like, oh, they're good, but them being good and like fully owning and operating a part of your business is massive. And you don't necessarily want to just consistently reward the person who's giving you marketing metrics or sales conversions or whatever, because early on, that may only be one person on your team. And that's just not fair to the rest. And so 
I love focusing on people living in their values. And I do think we need to do a better job of not just pointing out the values themselves, but in terms of kudos, we, I think we've talked about our taco system where Mm -hmm. we give tacos for kudos and Slack. We use a app called Hey Taco. We give tacos out when someone does well all the time or when we're impressed by someone, but not necessarily when they're living in our values. So I right. think you and I could do a yeah, better job. I agree. Oh, you took the dog for a walk. Here's, mm-hmm. here's right. a taco for prioritizing your exactly. exactly. And so, okay. So this last barrier, barrier number five is that employees don't feel seen. So relationship experts, I'm sure you heard of them. Dr. John and Dr. Julie Gottman studied more than 40,000 couples. And I know we're talking about couples, but this is still <laughs> meaningful in the workspace. So they determined the driving factor in a successful relationship was the ability to turn towards the relationship. Turning towards each other is recognizing when the other person is making a bid for connection and choosing to see them. And it says this concept is just as important in business. And I could not agree more. If you've ever looked into the whole turning towards or turning away from your partner and that whole conversation, if you haven't looked into that, I highly suggest you do it. They're very easy and fun exercises. A very quick example, but like you can do this in business as well. And they give this all the time when talking about this. It's like if your partner is looking out the window and they see a bird and they say, oh my gosh, look, there's a bird. That's a bid for connection to you, right? And so you could either turn and look at, oh my gosh, yeah, there is a bird. Like you're seeing that person, you're connecting, you're participating in that conversation. Or you could say, there's no birds outside. <laughs> That's like shutting down the conversation. Or like, and eh, I'm busy. Like- right, right. Or just like literally ignoring and still scrolling your phone or whatever. And so it's like that, but in the business space. And so for me, this shows up in eye contact in meetings, not multitasking in meetings. And this is something like, I feel like our team sometimes needs reminders of also some members of our team are trying to do two things at once, but not only is it super distracting to me, I will literally lose my train of thought because I'm so focused on what you're doing. But it's just, it's rude. And you're not paying attention and you're not being present and you're not here. You're not turning into the conversation. You are literally shutting it down. Yeah. I think one way to really aid in this. So one of the things that really threw me off when we started having more help was that employees would bring up things they may feel are an issue or an opportunity that I personally either am not prioritizing or don't want to prioritize for whatever reasons. And I used to think that that was a problem because they would get distracted on something that wasn't a company priority. Little did I understand when you have more people, you can tackle more priorities (laughs) at the same time. (laughs) It's okay for different team members to have different sets of priorities and as long as they're all in alignment with the same company goal. Like, right, which yeah, we're not trying are. to have people operate in their own silos either. Right. But part of them feeling seen is you can turn your attention to understand and guide and yep. provide assistance in without it changing your priorities. It's like becoming present in the moment and then going back to the thing that you're good at. Like in the same way that a spouse may go on a tangent about 
mowing the lawn or putting grass seed down or whatever. And you're I like, eat your spouse. I live well. <laughs> no. I don't care. You know what I mean? I don't care. But it's showing being present yeah. and like being able to aid in that conversation. It provides connection. And so you can still show up for team members in that way in a to really help them feel like yep. you care and you want to understand. And so there's a couple of other ideas from the article if you want help brainstorming. Great. So high trust organizations are brilliant at making employees feel seen. That can involve sending a simple thank you card, checking in with someone via text so it's offline, deeply listening in a meeting, which is my love language, recognizing someone virtually or in person, so giving kudos, giving thanks asking them about their challenge. We literally do that twice a month in our one-on-ones and how you can support them again in the one-on-ones and sharing praise about that person up the organization, which again, that's not really the same, but there will be sometimes. So like we kind of did it where we just wrapped up our performance reviews for everyone. And like Abby did a handful for people she has on her team. I did some for people who I have on my team. But then right after that, we both had a phone call and shared all of the amazing highlights and things that we learned about those team members from those performance reviews. And it was just really cool to hear what's going on, you know, on your side and what I learned about my team members. And it was really cool. Yeah. So all of this to say, I think there's this misconception that as you grow, that these things can become more challenging and like the bigger your team is, the harder it is to manage all of these things. But if anything, I think all of it comes down to being rooted in your values and putting your culture at the forefront of how you operate your team. And a year and a half ago, I would have been like, oh, it's so much harder to have five or 10 or 15. And at this point, I'm really confident as long as we continue to put our values at the forefront and have like regimented opportunities to stay connected to all of our team members that This is a very scalable way to operate a business and you don't necessarily have to run into these barriers and issues. You can create an organization of trust, an organization of loyalty. I heard, this is my kind of last takeaway. I heard someone speaking in our industry recently and they were talking about churn and how how normal it is for team members to walk away. And, you know, early on, I really listened to that and took it to heart. And I remember reading books about HR and I have noticed, absolutely, there will be people that aren't a fit and there will be people that leave. But Emily and I have found that typically within 90 days, there will be a mutual decision made that they're either a fit or they're not and they'll walk or they'll stay. But if they stay and if that culture fit is there and is maintained the loyalty can last mm-hmm. for years to come. And I yep. don't say that. We've seen it in our own business. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be this constant revolving door. You right. can create an environment where people feel seen, heard. They can thrive. They can support yep. their families. They can feel like they have a trajectory for their career. Yeah. It's all possible. 
And if you want help figuring out what this looks like for you, a lot of this comes down to your values, your mission, your goals, and how you communicate that within your culture. We work with executive coaching clients all the time of creating their internet and their handbook and their values and really setting a foundation of amazing culture and tactics on how to communicate with your team and really step into your role as the founder and CEO with a team because it is different. And so if you want to chat about that this year, we would love to chat with you. You can slide into our DMs on Instagram at Boss Project, or you can even just head to bossproject.com slash waitlist and just book a call, book a time with Abigail. Her calendar is open and you can just chit chat with her about what would make sense for a project for you. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com.